Now we're ready to jump in to our fourth and final week of this series that we have been in called Undone, where we've been using the Japanese art form of kintsugi as the central metaphor for our series. Now, as a reminder, if you're, or if you're not familiar, kintsugi, this art form, is essentially taking pieces of something, an object, a bowl, a cup, a vase, taking pieces that have been broken and repairing it and putting it back together. But more than just reattaching them, it's connecting them and then dusting them or painting them with a lacquer that's actually mixed with uh, powdered gold, silver, or platinum. Now, the point of this, the point of doing this, is to actually highlight the brokenness as part of the object's beauty. It highlights the very transformation of the object. It treats the breaking as well as the repairing as part of the history, and more importantly, as part of the very value of the object rather than treating it as something that should be hidden or disguised in some way. Now, we've been using this metaphor for our series as a way to understand the heart of the gospel story, which is that death is followed by resurrection and new life. Over the past three weeks, we've talked about the way that God, God takes those broken parts of our lives, the ways that we have individually, personally come completely undone in our past. And instead of hiding those things or disregarding them, God allows them to be repurposed and highlighted as part of our story. They become a part of the beauty, a part of the very value when we recognize that those that brokenness, those moments in our life when we become completely undone are the very pathways that God uses to see us resurrected and remade. So over the course of this series, we've talked a bit about the ways that we are often undone, how we come undone as individuals. Pastor Mike kicked us off the first week and talked about things like anxiety and depression and addiction. And how those things can take over our lives and lead us to a coming undone. We've also talked the second week about the ways that we as a community have been undone. Through some major and unexpected leadership and organizational changes that have taken place. And even through some unexpected and difficult relationship changes. And then last week, if you were here, you heard me talk about the ways that we've already been able to see God remaking us as a community, giving us a clear path forward, giving us a glimpse of our preferred future, which is our vision, which I, which I showed to you, and I'm gonna show it to you again now, that is to be an irresistible community of radically transformed disciples, dwelling at the intersection of deep faith, authentic community, and emerging culture. And this week, as we close out this series, this series has been incredibly powerful for me, several of the folks in this community. I know the staff has had a lot of amazing conversations as we've journeyed through the last several weeks. We're actually going to hear 
from two people who are being baptized over the course of the day, one in this gathering, one in the last gathering. And we're gonna hear a little bit about their stories of being, uh, of coming undone, and then of being remade and receiving new life. And we're gonna celebrate this, this part of their journey with them through the sacrament of baptism. Now, before we hear those stories, I want us to take a look at, at some words that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, about new life. So we're gonna go back, we're gonna dig a little bit deeper into that scripture that Ron just read for us. So if you would follow along as I read this, this is from Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. All right, so let me give you a little context here about what Paul is talking about and who he's talking to. He is talking here to a number of people who have become disciples of Jesus, but who are struggling with going back to their old sinful patterns, their old life, their old way of doing things. And they're wrestling with this question, does God's grace really need to be followed by transformation? If God is gonna forgive me anyway, can't I just keep on sinning? I mean, a couple of you have said that, right? All of us have at some point. We've all asked that question, wrestled with that hard question. And Paul is trying to remind them that their sin, their old life was actually a form of bondage for them. He's reminding them that they left that behind for a reason. Why would they wanna go back to that? Paul describes the life of a Christian as someone who takes Christ's story of death and resurrection as their own story. They don't just reflect on Jesus' death and his resurrection. They claim his story of death and resurrection as their own story of death and resurrection. And that story of resurrection is freedom from their old life, from their old patterns of sin. So the way that we view baptism is that it's the confession that we, through Jesus, claim his story of death and resurrection as our own story. That his gospel is the reality that we now live in. We go under the water in baptism, symbolizing us joining him in his death. And then we rise from the water, symbolizing our own resurrection into a new life. This new life isn't freedom from ever sinning again, but it is freedom from being a slave to that sin. We have a new life story. We have a new status now. When we are baptized as believers, we are saying publicly through that event that there has been a status change. I am no longer who I was before. I have accepted Christ's story of death and resurrection as my own story, 
And I am going to become a different kind of human being, a disciple of Jesus living in his kingdom. But here's the paradox of, of baptism. Our status change is both an event, the event of baptism, but it is also a lifelong process, a lifelong journey. Baptism marks the beginning of the Christian life, and the rest of the Christian life is about living into that status, that status of being a new creation. Let me explain it to you this way. This year, my husband Carl and I are going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you applauding all of his hard work um, because it is, it is quite a job to be married to me, as you can imagine. It's hard for me to believe that it was that many years ago, honestly. I remember the day like it was yesterday. We got married in June, the end of June, in Tallahassee. I know. You can just retroactively pray for us. That was the, one of the stupidest decisions that I've ever made, is, of, is choosing the date for that, because it was hot, it was humid, and typical of June in Tallahassee, there was a ginormous storm that it came about. Fortunately, it was at the very minute that the last picture was snapped after our ceremony. So um, I, I was very grateful for that. We were completely surrounded by our family and our friends who all were there to celebrate with us. Uh, it was just, it was a great day despite all of the heat and humidity. Um, that day, that day in June, almost 25 years ago, was the day that my status changed. I was no longer single. I was no longer living my life primarily focused on myself. I was no longer responsible for myself. That was the day that my status changed to being a wife, to being someone's wife. And here we are, almost 25 years later, and I'm still trying to live into that role of being Carl's wife. Carl and I are still navigating what married life looks to, like to us in this new season of life as our kids have gotten older. How do we define our roles as husband and wife in our family even if it's different than how other people would define those roles, even if it looks different than other people's marriages. Trying to navigate and live into the status of becoming a wife. And it has constantly evolved over every single one of the 24 and a half years since we've been married. Now, a unique part of our story, of our journey, is that on that day, on our wedding day, I also officially became a mom to Carl's two amazing kids. They have become like my very own children. Now, I didn't give birth to them, but even to this day, I would tell you, and more importantly, I believe they would tell you that they are my kids. That's how we live our life. That's how we have structured our family. But this was another status change. Not only was I no longer single, I was now married with children. That fast. And over the next few years after we got married, we also had two kids together. And again, my role as mom was evolving and changing. My status changed once again. I was no longer stepmom. I was the only mom to these two kids. It comes with a different set of responsibilities. My status changed 
And I have spent almost 25 years trying to live into that new status of being wife and being mother. My status changed at the moments of my wedding day and when I gave birth to my children. But my whole life since then has been about trying to live into that new status. That's what it's like when we're baptized. Our life changes actually the very moment that we accept Christ. And during the event of baptism, we are publicly acknowledging and declaring that life change, that status change. But then our job is to spend the rest of our lives from that moment on trying to live into that new status, trying to navigate what it means to live a resurrected life as a new creation, to live a life that isn't perfect, it isn't even sinless, but it is a life that's free from being a slave to our old sinful ways. We live into this new status by acknowledging the things that need to die in our life, the places where we need to come undone. And there is where we find God's grace. From there, we devote ourselves to surrendering those things to God, taking on his story of resurrection and of being remade so we can live into this new life. So I mentioned that two people will be baptized over the course of today, one this gathering, one next. And for those people, they have already had a status change. They have already accepted Christ as their savior. Today is the event, though, that celebrates the death of their old life, who they were before Christ, and celebrates the resurrection of their new life, who they are now with Christ. These two people have professed that they've come undone at some point in their past. They've acknowledged that they want this new life that's promised to them and have made the decision to surrender those parts of their old life, those broken pieces to God and trusting that they are already being remade. And today they're acknowledging and celebrating this journey through the sacrament of baptism. They're committing themselves to take his story as their own story, to trusting a God that promises to see them resurrected and remade in his kingdom. Do you see why we call this the best day ever? It's exciting, it's significant, not only in their journey, but in ours too. Because when we see, when we participate in their baptism, we are reflecting on, if we've been baptized, we're reflecting on that life change for us, that status change, the moment that, we, and we can remember, just like my wedding day, 25 years have passed and I have forgotten a heck of a lot of things, but I have not forget, forgotten the moment that I became Carl's wife. People remember their baptism. It's a significant life event and we, like wedding guests, have been invited to participate in that celebration. Now, if you haven't been to one of our baptism services before, let me just tell you a little bit about the celebration. We call it the best day ever because we believe it should be a big celebration. And we try to make it that for the people. In a few minutes, you're gonna watch a video 
um, hearing from the two, both people actually who, who are going to be baptized. We share both of their stories with both gatherings because they want their entire E3 family across both gatherings to be a part of their celebration. So we want you to hear not only the person who's being baptized at this gathering, but we want you to hear from the person who was baptized at the last gathering too. Now, after that video, I'm going to invite the person that's being baptized at this gathering to join me on the stage. She'll come up here in a few minutes, and she's going to be wearing this T-shirt that we have provided for her. On the back, it says, the best day ever. And it says these words. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. It also says made new, and it has the scripture reference that I just read of 2 Corinthians 5.17. You'll also notice that it's got a blank spot there on the shirt. And that's where we've asked the person being baptized to think about what is this new life that you want to live into? And what is a word that maybe represents that journey for you? So when they come up and join me on the stage, they're going to share that word with us and tell you a little bit about why they chose that word. After, after that, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to invite some people that they have asked ahead of time to light a candle for them, to light their baptism candle. These people that have been chosen, that have been asked to light that candle have been significant to them in this journey that they've been on that, have, that has brought them to this place, this decision that they've made. Those people will have the honor of lighting that baptism candle. Now, the candle that we give to each person being baptized represents, it signifies a life that was in darkness before Christ came into it, and through the love and care of these people who have lit the candle, and, and certainly others as well, it represents that God's light was shown into their life. These people are chosen to light the candle because they've helped the person along in their journey in some significant way. It is an honor to be asked to light someone's candle. Now, while those people are lighting the candle, we'll also invite up other, other, part, other people who are a part of their life, their friends, other family members, maybe people from their growth group, people who are on this journey with them. Everyone gets to join, all of us get to join in the celebration, but we want those people to be the closest to the, to the person being baptized because we want them to have the best seats. And to be honest with you, we want them to get a little wet. We just do. We just, it's part of the fun that we get to have. Um, I'm just kidding. We do. We want them to have the closest, the closest, best view. Now, before we actually move into the act of baptisms, I want to mention one more thing about the candles. Um, it has been the longstanding uh, history of E3. At every baptism uh, service here, we have a tradition that is just one of my favorites. We always have an unlit extra candle. This unlit candle is intended to serve as a reminder to all of us that there is always one more person who needs God's light shown into their life. And that each one of us, as followers of Christ, are called to be the carriers of his light in this world. Scripture tells us that. 
Just like we did during Silent Night at our Christmas Eve service a month ago, we are called to light someone else's candle. The unlit candle belongs to someone in particular. Maybe it's a member of your family. Maybe it's a member of your growth group. Maybe it's a coworker of yours. Maybe it's one of your friends. But there is someone out there who still needs to have God's light shown into their life. And it is our job as followers of Christ to be a part of that. It is not only our job, it is our, it is our responsibility, but it's also our great privilege. So as we celebrate with those being baptized today, I do want to invite you to take some time throughout today to reflect on the person who you believe owns that candle. Who is it? Who maybe do you want to light their candle at our next baptism service? Maybe they will invite you to do that. Whose journey are you a part of? It is, like I said, a privilege to be asked to to participate in that way, to be honored in the way of saying, you have mattered in this faith journey for me. Now, I would say that as a church community, we all have that honor in one way or another. The whole church works together to help people along in their journey. That is our, that is our, our work. That is what we do. But I would ask you to consider who are the individuals that you need to be intentional about reaching out to and shining God's light in their life. All right, are you guys ready? Yes.